Coming up, why America is at working part four. And workers are now demanding a workplace reset. What does that mean? We'll look at it and then get into the why behind these demands. That matters to you. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in life. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. All right. We've been in a series called America Isn't Working and uh, we're really getting behind the why. Why America isn't working? That's not a, a political point of view. This is a work point of view, but it has political elements to it. So let's look at the problem, shall we? There are multiple problems here, and today's problem is entitlement. America isn't working because there is a entitlement cloud hanging over our country it's just a cloud and it's just hanging and it's just sitting there sitting there sitting there and so it has now been hanging over our society for so long that it has turned into policy and behavior so let's break down the entitlement problem first welfare isn't fair the welfare state is one of the biggest entitlements that has caused America to not work. And I mean literally here. Now, if you look at phase-outs of programs like cash welfare, food stamps, the earned income tax credit, and the Obamacare subsidies, here's what it actually looks like. It means that households that have an income between $10,000 and $40,000 can lose almost the same amount in government benefits as they gain in income. Now, let's just pause right here for a second. These are welfare programs that aren't fair. What do I mean by that? Well, the welfare program has promised to give people a hand up, except that it's truly a handout in this regard. So let's say you're in that income, your income altogether between ten dollars and $40,000, and you have government entitlements if you actually get your life in a better situation and you begin to earn more money, as you earn more money, you lose all of these benefits that you had. And when you have been in a situation where you have largely existed off of government subsidies, entitlements, it is a powerful, powerful hurdle for the mind to get over. Well, let me give you an example for those of you who've never been on welfare so that you can understand our brothers and sisters that are in this environment. And I'm not blaming them. In fact, I'm coming to their defense. But let's just look at your world. Okay, you've never been in welfare at all. But you'll call my show and you'll say, Ken, I've got two job offers. The one job, it's actually a better job. I really like it. But I'm really considering the other job because the other job has better benefits. I get that call all the time. And I've said before, I'll say it again, you should never take a job based on benefits. You should take a job on the now and the next. Is it the right now that gets me to the ultimate next? Benefits take care of themselves. But you love that safety net, don't you? Just the very word, benefit, insurance. I get it. It speaks to our safety gland. So these men and women, if they get a better job and thus a better life, they end up losing all of the benefits that they consider and they are their safety net. And so what does it do? It de-incentivizes 
a better professional and financial life. It de-incentivizes better work. Because you go, well, at least my basics are taken care of by these government entitlements. And if I move on, I lose all of those things. I'm penalized by getting out of the situation. That is the psychology. This is documented, by the way, by Gene Sterling of the Urban Institute, and the Federalist reported on this. Now let's look at another problem where entitlement rears its ugly head. This is an unemployment, unemployment benefits. A 2022 working paper found that terminating emergency unemployment benefit programs caused a substantial increase in employment. This is from the St. Louis Fed. Of course it did. You take away their unemployment benefits and they go, uh, I got to go to work. Yeah, of course you do. I'm reminded of John Smith in the very first colony. In our great country of America, Jamestown, founded 1607 on the peninsula of my homeland, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And John Smith, in your history books, you learned about John Smith, who was in charge of that colony of Jamestown. And there was a whole lot of apathy and pacifism and griping and complaining because Jamestown isn't what it, it wasn't what it is today, this beautiful little place along the river, the James River. It was a swamp full of mosquitoes and creatures that were nasty. And these guys were griping. And John Smith said, here's the deal. If you don't work, you don't eat. So he took away the food, and guess what happened? They started working. Take away the emergency unemployment benefits. that just They're just government handouts and necessary at times for some, but most of the time you can do without them. Folks, I've been fired twice. I never took unemployment benefits. Didn't need to. Oh, it's because you're wealthy. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. In fact, I had three kids. So spare me. Spare me the whining. Let's go to a third factor of entitlement. Pacifying parents. Entitled children who have been entitled in the home. This is not a government problem. This is a parent problem. Parents who don't introduce work at an early age who then don't require kids to actually work. Parents who increasingly are not kicking their adult kids out of the house. This is entitlement. Entitlement. They've been entitled. They've been given everything their whole life because we parents in today's world care more about our kids feeling good than teaching them how to do good. Helicopter parents always hovering always ready to pull Johnny and Susie out of the pain. And you know what's happened? We got weak snowflake adults. Last one, socialism. The popularity of socialism, which is an absolute ideology from the pit of hell that leads to communism and the repression of men and women all around the globe. In 2019, listen to this, 39% of all U.S. adults viewed socialism positively. Of course they did, because the sneaky part of socialism is, is we just give, 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 give from the government, other words, entitlements, and get people weaned on them, get people an appetite for them, scare them half to death, the almighty government comes to help. Now that number has ticked up to 41% according to Axios. 41% of Americans view socialism as 
positive, let me tell you what that sets up for and why America isn't working because there are a lot of people that are just waiting for universal income to become a thing. And in the United States right now, you look it up. You don't believe me? Look it up. There are multiple municipalities in this country that are trying out universal basic income. And obviously, they always promise it to the poorest of us with the idea that it's going to be for the rest of us. Let me tell you something. we got to cut the tether to government. Less government, more community and faith-based local businesses and people taking care of the least of us. That is work, and work helps. Work is good. Don't rely on the government. Helping you win in work so that you're winning in life. I don't want you to get to the end of your journey and look back as so many of the dying in these hospices tell us. They look back in their life and say, I regret that I didn't live the life that I truly wanted to live. And your work and your contribution is a massive part of that. So I'm here to help and I'm going to help define the matrix for you. Help pull you out of the matrix with a lot of common sense. If you're enjoying the program, Uh, and you're watching via YouTube, will you help us grow? You can do that by liking the video you're watching, subscribing to the channel, and sharing. And then if you're listening via your favorite podcast app, give us a follow, a five-star review, and share the show. All right, here we go. More common sense coming at you today. New headline from a Fox Business article, employees are demanding a workplace reset. I, I chuckle when I hear these things that employees are demanding things. This is not student government this is not a political environment where you can walk out on the streets of this great nation and protest and make a sign up and do whatever you want this is a workplace a workplace is not a democracy (laughs) it's just not I, i don't know where we have gotten in this country where so many people think that their workplace is a democracy well this is what i think great in a healthy environment you should be valued enough to where your thoughts are listened to. But there is a massive difference between me sharing my thoughts to Dave Ramsey about what I think. And by the way, I do. I've been in many a meeting with Dave where we've disagreed. And we have a lot of mutual respect for each other, and it's not ugly, but he's a very strong opinion. And I, if you've watched this show long enough to know, i got a strong opinion. But it's not a democracy. It's just not. So if Dave and I are in a meeting and we're talking and we're disagreeing, Dave does value my opinion. He absolutely does. And 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 I share it. And it's up to him whether or not he agrees with it or not. <laughs> and if he disagrees with it, and he has many times, and we go a different direction, there is no protest. There is no demand. Or else I wouldn't be sitting here today. Am I... Am I am I that old school? Am am I am I seriously so fundamentally rooted in common sense that I'm an outlier? Tell me in the comments, especially those on YouTube, as I think this younger generation sees that completely different than I do. No, no, let me let me explain this. As long as I'm respected and valued in that he doesn't he doesn't 
treat me in a, in, a, in a harmful or disrespectful way. He listens to my thought. I give him my thought. He respects it. We go back and forth. And at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. He makes a decision or whatever leader in this company makes a decision. And I have to get along with authority. That's the way it goes. Now, if I don't like it, I can leave. There's a novel concept. So this whole premise right now, this is stuff. This is real. Okay, I've got data. And this is a really, really silly notion that I can just demand my employer do things. No, you, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can gripe and act like a child or a teenager. But a demand is I'm demanding this and you do it. They don't have to do it. So let's look at the data. Uh, the firm Edelman Trust uh, excuse me, the firm is Edelman. They have a annual survey they do called the Edelman Trust Barometer. This is fascinating. Listen to this. They surveyed over 7,000 employees worldwide. The United States, United Kingdom, Brazil, Germany, Japan, China, and India. 72% of the respondents said it is more important than ever that employers rethink what work means to employees. Okay, no problem with that. Sure. I actually go at bad leadership and unhealthy companies on this program all the time. I'm not going to stop because we have an epidemic in this country of leaders whose heads are in the sand and they don't value their people. Now, that is true. But then it gets now we start getting into that makes common sense. But now we've got some snowflakery that is spreading across the globe. By the way, if you're new to the program, you want to know what I mean by snowflakery. It is mamby-pamby whining weakness. That's how I defined it. People who can't handle change, people who can't handle tough times, people that just need everything handed to them in a neat little tray with the dividers and some sweet music. You know who I'm talking about. By the way, if that bothered you, what I just said, you are a snowflake. <laughs> if 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 that came across as smug or whatever little adjective you want to throw onto that, number one, I don't care. And number two, you are the snowflake. So freaking sensitive. I'm offended. I don't care. You have every right to be offended, but you don't have every right to make everybody else not offend you. Move on. Don't hang around people who offend you. We don't need to cancel anybody. Why don't you just turn your attention somewhere else? I got off on a rabbit trail. Back to the data. 67% said they are reevaluating how they spend their time. This, again, not surprising. In fact, I think the number is probably a little low because during the pandemic, everybody reassessed because we had all this change forced on us. And so we, we didn't have to consult whether or not we wanted to change life changed dramatically in our work world and so we started thinking about how do i want to live my life that's very normal now career advancement number one issue this is what they expect employees want their employers to know that they believe that the employer should be addressing career advancement 83 percent. by the way i agree with that People need to see a ladder. They don't want a better job. They want a better life. Leaders pay attention to this. Personal empowerment, 80%. Societal impact, 
all strong expectations when considering a job. Now, let me break this down for everybody. Personal empowerment simply means I want to know that you're going to give me the tools, the resources, training to do my job and let me go do it. There's a lot of autonomy that we humans want around our work. Very normal. Now, this is where it gets snowflakey. 61% of respondents said, uh, this is across the seven countries, said they're more likely to work for an organization where the CEO speaks publicly about controversial issues they care about. Now, this is where we've gotten out of whack. 61% across the globe want their CEO to get on television or get on social media and take a side on a controversial political issue? It's, it's mind-numbing. Ask Bud Light and Target how that's working out. Bud Light literally pissed away their loyal customers. Why? Because somebody inside their organization said, I want you to take a stand on the transgender issue. And it turns out people just wanted to get cheap, bad-tasting beer. They don't want to talk about that stuff didn't say they were for and against it they just went i come to you for bad cheap beer target we come to you for household supplies and my favorite loofah i don't come to you for your opinion on on any social issue so but this is a problem and so we have weak leaders who go well my employees want me to talk about it so i'm gonna go do it and then you you then you lose stock price you get crushed you can't give away the beer now in the u.s it's only 51 percent if you just pull out the u.s number 51 percent of u.s employees want their ceo to speak out on political issues then run for congress run for president edelman ceo said of the survey as for the ceo speaking up and speaking out in public manner there is change republicans and independents these are employees Republican and independent-leaning employees are cautious about their CEO speaking out, but Democrats seem to want more CEO activism. So this is about ideology. People that are more conservative go, you know what? I'll, politics is over here on these channels. Over here, I just want to buy the beer. Liberals are like, hey, I want everybody walking to the same tune, and that ain't America, and it ain't good business. time to help some people get where they want to go to do what they were born to do let's go to emily who joins us on the line in des moines iowa emily you're on the ken coleman show hey ken how are you today i am living the dream what are you doing oh just recovering from a long three-day weekend oh my goodness did, did you have a little too much of the uh, of the adult beverages a little bit but it was hot in iowa it was 100 degrees so uh, did you you know this may be prying too much but did you did you have a bud light i did not have a bud light mm. no no bud light here okay all right I, i'll leave it at that i'll leave it at that all right emily how can i help 
so I recently started a senior position a couple months ago at a new company, and the company is growing very fast across the country. Um, I'm currently the only employee in the state of Iowa. Um, but basically what's going on is since, uh, since hiring 10 or so like new senior positions in January, um, a few of those positions have already been promoted to management. Um, and I know that's my next career goal for myself. Um, so knowing that they've already promoted senior roles to management so quickly, um, in previous instances, I guess, how can I advocate that for myself? Yeah. You know, knowing I've only been with the company for two months, I'm afraid if I don't put it out there and kind of speak up and let them know that's my next goal, that yeah. maybe they will overlook me. For I understand else. that. I understand yeah. that. And I think that's got some, <laughs> I think that's got some decent logic to it. What kind of relationship do you have with your leader? Um, really good so far. She's a great, she's actually pretty new to the role as well. I think she's only been in you know, management about a year or so, but it's been great so far. And where is she based? Um, she's based out of Virginia. Okay. And how often do you talk to her in a, on a given week? Um, at least three times. Um, I mean, I pr- have a pretty close relationship with her. Yeah. There's, I think, eight of us on her team, so okay. it's a pretty close team. Is there a role or two that you've got in your mind that you'd like to have, or are you just feeling this this wave of, oh, there's a bunch of other people that have been here about the same amount of time that I've been here and they got promoted quickly and I just don't want to get left behind. No, there is a specific role. Um, I So the way that they're expanding it, they don't have it listed yet, but I know that they're going to be hiring. They've already have a new round of um I guess employees starting uh, next week. And so they're continuing this pattern where they hire groups of employees every, every few months. Okay. And so I just know that w- sure. with doing that, they have to have supervisors to yeah. you Good. know be in charge of those so positions. The reason I asked the question is because I wanted to know if you have a very specific target. And I think mm-hmm. you start with your leader and you just okay. say to your leader, hey, listen, I just want to raise my hand and I don't want in any way for this to come off the wrong way, just be really transparent. Mm-hmm. Say, right. hey, I'm really liking it here, and I'm seeing all the growth, and I'm paying attention to what's going on, and I know there's some positions that are being hired, and I just want to raise my hand as a person who wants to climb, and I'll mm-hmm. and I'm I'll do what it takes to step on the next rung, and I'm not trying to force it right now, but I do want to say I am very interested, and I'm willing to do what it takes to get the opportunity to climb the ladder. That's how I would approach it. In fact, that's exactly okay. how I would say it. But I would call Perfect. attention to all the things that are happening and just say, look, I don't want to be impatient. That is, like, call it out. Call out the potential objections. I don't want to be impatient. Mm-hmm. And I want to earn it. But And, and so I, I, I'm fine doing that, what it takes. But I'm seeing people get promoted, and I just want you to know I'm hungry. And, and, I'm, right. and I'm willing to hustle and you come across in a humble way, then that's attractive. You know, it's like, I'll I'll give you a sports analogy, because everything with me is about sports analogies, okay? (laughs) So, so, um, if I'm on a team, let's let's say say, uh, basketball. That was my favorite Mm -hmm. sport, okay? And let's say I'm I'm right now the seventh or eighth man, so you start five, you get three off the bench, and so I'm somewhere in that rotation, and I want to be a starter. Okay, Mm -hmm. my mentality has to be I, A, need to get noticed 
in the everyday, which in a basketball setting would be practice. Okay. Right. So in your everyday, that's your daily role, and you're talking, you're checking in, whatever kind of reports you have to to do and all the communication, you are delivering on the now. Okay, so I'm, I need to win in practice. Mm-hmm. So so that means a couple things. So when the coach puts me in a role in practice, I need to really crush it in that role. Mm-hmm. And he needs to see great effort, tremendous attitude. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if, if we get some good results as, as a result of the effort, but I don't always have to win the defensive drill, but the coach needs to see me trying my guts out. Right, And if I get some good results in the drill, even better. So that's mm-hmm. the idea. I win the now, and I get noticed for winning the now. That's in practice. Mm-hmm. So now he's got some positive mojo in his head when he thinks about Coleman. And so mm-hmm. now he puts his lineup together, and he goes, yeah, based on this week's matchup, would Coleman be worth a start? He may say no, but I might be the first one off the bench. And now, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I have incrementally got myself promoted simply by winning the now. Now, that's that's one mm-hmm. part of the analogy. The other part of the basketball analogy is to do what I just said, win the now, but also sit down with a coach after practice. Say, hey, coach, or can I come see you before practice or before school or after practice? Sure, Coleman, what do you want to talk about? I'm going to say, coach, I want to be a starter. Mm-hmm. And I know that's your decision. And so I want to know where I stand. What, right. what do I need to do to be a starter? In your opinion, and then hopefully he tells me, "Well, you need to you need to get better at shooting. You need to be more, you know, um, aggressive on defense. You know, whatever." And so and so now I'm looking at okay. And so he's heard two things from me. He's seen hunger. I want to start one day, coach. And then he's seen some humility because I said, "What do I need to do to win your confidence to mm-hmm. be a starter?" Now, I know my old man. Sports analogy is probably really boring, but that's about as good advice as I could give because that's the mentality for anybody, including you, Emily, getting promoted. Perfect. Does that make sense to you after all of that metaphor? Yes, absolutely. It you does. know, I got to win the now and the opportunities I have in front of me, uh, but but then I got to sit down. And that's why you called. You said, how do I do that coach's meeting? And that's yeah. how you do it. Yep. And, and here's the deal. I want to prepare you for something. You may Mm -hmm. not get the response that you desire, and you may not get the response that you should get. Let let me explain. A healthy coach is going to say, Coleman, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll tell you what you need to do. And I'll tell you this. If you do those things, I will absolutely give you an opportunity to start and see what you can do. Now, that's a healthy coach. Mm -hmm. Or a healthy coach goes, I love that. appreciate the spirit. You can do all these things. And it might get you in a position to start, but there's no guarantee because, to be honest with you, if you do all these things, you're not as good as as the kid in front of you. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, our, our society can't handle that. But you're, you're not always better than everybody else. And right. to me, sports has always been the great equalizer to go, you know what, I can bust my butt, show up on time, do all the things coach wants me to do, but at the end of the day, I'm not as good as a point guard as the guy who starts in front of me. And so then I've got to attach a better attitude to go, okay, what is my role and what can I be the best at? And if I can be the best sixth man, then that's what I'm going to do. So that's just the the rest of that coaching there. I want you to go in there with a spirit of I'm believing the best, but 
just because I do it the right way doesn't mean your leader is going to handle it the right way. And folks, that's important because, you know, a lot of times in my space, people say all this stuff on social media and they'll come on a show like this and go, do these three things and you're going to be successful. And I'm going to tell you something right now. That's half the story because you could do everything that I tell you to do and the leader not be healthy enough or quite frankly, just have a difference of opinion and not see the value in you. So I want to prepare you for that, folks, because what do you do then? You go play for a team where you're valued. You go play for a team where you're valued. There's an old story about a grandfather giving his grandson a watch. He said, son, he says, uh, take this into the uh, jewelry store and see what they value it at. He comes back and it's low value. He says, well, then take it to the pawn shop. Comes back, it's low value. He says, take it to the museum. Comes back, he says, the museum wants to pay us tens of thousands of dollars. It's all about going where you're valued, where people see your value and treat you accordingly. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.